Welcome to the Mending Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Hoyt, and along with my sister, Lena Hoyt, a licensed marriage and family therapist, we want to help you recover from trauma, whether it's childhood trauma, complex trauma, PTSD, or any other trauma sustained from abuse or narcissistic relationships, we want to help you develop skills and ways that can help you to recover from the symptoms and the effects of trauma. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, Amy here. Are you feeling stuck or overwhelmed by things that pop up in your daily life? And perhaps these are because of past traumas or toxic stress? Have you tried traditional therapy and found that it wasn't enough? I know that was the case for me. That's why we developed the Whole Health Lab. Mending Trauma has put together a program that combines the latest research with proven methods to help you recover from trauma and move forward from these daily stressors and triggers. We use somatic therapy, EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, and internal family systems therapy. We use nervous system regulation, and many other tools so that we can combine the best methods that are identified in the research to help you recover without being completely overwhelmed. So you can work on trauma on your own pace, your own time, and still with the mentorship and support of a highly trained certified staff. That's us. No more waiting for appointments or sitting in traffic, driving to see a therapist. With our online program, The Whole Health Lab, you can access it from anywhere, anytime, even on an app. Visit mendingtrauma.com backslash whole health lab and learn more. Get your questions answered. We've got a frequently asked questions section and sign up so that you can have this life-changing program in your world today. Don't let your past hold you back any longer. Take control of your future and we can't wait to see you in The Whole Health Lab. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we are talking about complex trauma or CPTSD. And one of the main symptoms for at least for me, uh, which is dissociation. First of all, let's start out by defining what complex trauma is. Lena, what is a basic definition of complex trauma? Complex trauma is most often developmental. So it occurs in your childhood and it is sustained. Um, it's either b- abuse dynamics that are sustained over a period of time or um, exposure to abusive relationships. Or um, you, maybe you have a parent that has some personality disorder traits. But it's this ongoing exposure. Maybe you were molested for several years. Maybe you have a parent that's an an addict of some kind, and that's where we get complex trauma. That's a great definition. And I would just include the one that always comes to my mind is emotional neglect, which can be overt abuse, but often I think it's, it's just the parent is so tapped out and dissociated themselves that they're not able to give the child love, affection, attention, et cetera. Yes. And not in any consistent manner. It's Mm -hmm. very intermittent if um, hardly at all. And and that's part of where we see the multi-generational trauma transmission process coming in. 
Yes. Because they didn't get that in their childhood. So they actually don't have wiring to give it to us in our childhood. For sure. Yeah. It takes a lot to break those those um, cycles, which it we are does. so proud of you for listening, listener, because you are part of breaking cycles. You're a cycle breaker. That's right. So we've got a definition of complex trauma or CPTSD. Now, how does dissociation come out of that? What happens when, as a symptom, we start to dissociate? What does that, what does that look like as a child? We, we talked a little bit about um, how the nervous system can become overwhelmed in our last episode. And when the nervous system is really overwhelmed, particularly when you are younger and you absolutely do not have any power, the brain and the body try to protect you by escaping it through dissociation. And dissociation can look a lot of different ways. A a very common way is people have this sense that they're looking down on the event and they can see it from above. That is a very common um, dissociation pattern. And it's the brain and body's attempt to... Um, remove yourself from something that's so overwhelming that your brain and body don't think you'll survive. And that's how dissociation develops is it's this adaptive at the time escape pattern that allows you to dissociate from what is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can attest to this is, you know, what I experienced when I was abused as a child. And it really is a, you believe you're going to die. And so it is a very last ditch effort to survive. And um, it's, you know, we, in the animal kingdom, we see that as well as right before an animal is about to die, they fawn, they give up. And, um, so it's very similar. It's, um, as you said at the, in that moment, it's the best you can do. It's completely adaptive and it helps you immensely. That's really essential to understand in community connection yesterday in our whole health lab, we were talking about the book unbroken. One of the members had read it. They heard about it on our podcast and, One thing that I love about that book, it's by um, Mary Catherine McDonald. And one thing I love about that book is that she totally normalizes every response that we have from trauma and takes the stigma and the shame out of it. And dissociation is the same thing. If, If you didn't do that, your chances of survival would have been diminished. And so it is very adaptive in the moment. For sure. Okay, so we experience this childhood complex trauma. We have these events where we're trying to survive. We learn to dissociate. We grow up. Here I am in my 50s or 40s or 30s. How does it show up as an adult? What does that look like? It can vary. Um One thing we've heard recently in our program is that a member shared that when they are gathered for family dinner with their own uh, spouse and children, that they, without any realization at all, go into dissociation 
And the reason why is because there are triggers happening and triggers are actually a series of memories that are subconscious usually. And the, the dissociation is an old response to maybe dynamics that occurred at the dinner table in her childhood. And it's so subconscious that it's hard to even know that you're doing it. And then when she realized she was doing it, she put out a question to the group about what do I do with this now? I know that I'm not in danger with my spouse and my children, but my brain and body do this automatically. And so many of the members um, chimed in and, and uh, you and me and Wendy also, and we talked a little bit about how the dissociation needs to be observed without judgment that it needs to be understood as a very adaptive response at, at the time that it started and that um, the better she can get at noticing when it happens, the more she can do some nervous system, use some nervous system tools to, to stay more in the present. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that was a helpful conversation for myself because that mm -hmm. is a lot of where my dissociation happens is when I'm with my family whom I love, but because of those subconscious memories of chaos and it, it is difficult to not let those triggers kind of take me to another place. Well, and when they do take you to another place, it is not within your conscious will. Correct. It's an, auto, it's an autonomic reaction. And we need to make sure that we understand that so we don't beat ourselves up. Oh, I love that. The other thing I notice is um, I can be driving and I am so checked out. I'll get to a place and not remember how I got there. So I know I wanted to go to that place. It's not, it's not like I'm having blackouts. Right. Um, but I intended to go to that place, but once I park and I go in, I, I can't even remember driving there because I've been not able to stay present. Yes. I know that is a very, very common um, occurrence for people. Absolutely. Now, does that always mean we're dissociating? No. Well, um, maybe if we talk about levels of dissociation. Mm. So what happens is that the brain puts together these neural pathways. There's these shortcuts and, and then it wraps it in fat. This is called myelination. And so driving is something most of us can do without a lot of conscious thought if we're, you know, older than 25, maybe. And so this is a very common dissociation. It's not necessarily any indication of trauma, however. It's more of an indication of how the brain and the neural pathways get formed into this shortcut where you can just do things without a lot of conscious thought. Okay, that's a great um, distinction because we are going to have some dissociation that occurs because the brain has made some shortcuts. And so we're not... Dissociation is, again adaptive in the moment, but it becomes maladaptive in certain circumstances. And so when you are wanting to be a present parent or a present partner or spouse, when you are wanting to um, be fully present in a difficult conversation that you want, that you know needs to happen, but you are 
not able to stay mentally present. These are the things we're talking about that can show up as adults where it's time to get curious. Like, let's get curious and lovingly curious about what's happening. Because as soon as we can get lovingly curious and we we quiet down the judgment part of our uh, mind, then we can actually gather important information. As soon as we are curious with judgment, the the prefrontal cortex, which is our executive functioning, the home of our executive functioning, goes offline. Judgment activates the fight-flight response in our brain. And we can't learn anything from the experience. So noticing without judgment, using benevolent curiosity, those become like ninja skills at addressing dissociation. Yes. And as you said, they calm down the amygdala. So we're not going to go into that fight flight. Okay. So what do we do about this? Let's say, let's pretend, just kidding, not pretending. (laughs) I I do need, this is a constant um, issue that I'm working on. And I mean, it's gotten so much better over the years, but I'd love to hear what you would advise our listeners to do when they are noticing, oh, I keep leaving my body. I keep dissociating. What's, what's some things, what's some tools they can use? My, one of my favorite go-tos is bilateral stimulation. And that comes out of EMDR. And it's the idea that when you have alternate movement on alternate sides, Um, it actually calms down the nervous system in general. So bilateral stimulation can be used for nervous system calming. It It doesn't need to necessarily be associated with EMDR. And so one of the reasons I love that is because you can do it very unobtrusively. So if you're sitting at dinner um, with maybe with the holidays coming up, this is a very um, fraught time for many of us that want things to go well, but we can't control other people. And so you can do bilateral stimulation by tapping every other foot. So you're sitting at the table, you can tell that you're starting to get Uh, physiologically aroused, your nervous system response is heightened, and you just start tapping. Or you can put your hands on your knees and tap alternate knees. So right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. Okay. Yes. Thanks for the clarification. And um, when we do that, it it helps the nervous system to calm down and keeps us um, more linked to our prefrontal cortex, which that's where we need to be if we're going to be present. And um, the other thing that I really love is the double breath sigh, which we've talked about a lot in our podcast because it is so effective. And what we're doing with that intervention is we're taking deep inhales through the nose. Um, One, as much as you can inhale, then you pause, then you inhale again, even if it's a tiny smidge, and then you breathe out through the mouth with a, like kind of a forceful exhalation. We want to make sure we're not hyperventilating with this. So we want to exhale everything. And that can be also done very unobtrusively. What that does is it also calms down the nervous system and it gets you into a place where you can, again, reconnect with your prefrontal cortex so you can more easily be in the present. That's wonderful. And I, I, I agree. I love that tool. It's called the physiological sigh. Often um, it can be called the double breath sigh or the physiological sigh. And there's a lot of new research on it. 
showing how effective it is for elevating mood and reducing anxiety for a 24-hour cycle. If we are able to do that for five minutes a day, it's pretty incredible. The other tool that I was thinking about that helps me stay present is the five senses. So when I'm feeling really activated um, and I just want to maybe start to float away mentally, it's what do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I um, feel? And, you know, right now I see a tree out my window. I can hear the heater, my space heater. I can touch the jeans on my legs. I feel that. I smell my protein shake. Yes. (laughs) A taste. Yeah. So it's all of those that bring me back and help keep me in the present moment. And that's one of my favorite tools as well. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool. Um, It's, I mean, that's what we call grounding. So you're getting back into your body, into the present moment. Yeah. Well, anything else you want our listeners to know about dissociation? I think we've covered it. I think some of the important pieces are don't judge yourself and know that it, it was a wire. It's a survival wire, basically the dissociation is. And so if you can just observe it without judging it, you gather information about what's happening for you, what some of the triggers are, and then you can take some steps to uh, become more grounded in the, in the moment. Um, The double breast sigh research you talked about is just phenomenal that um, your nervous system benefits from five minutes of double breast sigh within every 24 hours. And that is a, kind of a long game for helping your nervous system heal from trauma in general. So those are all great tools. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us this week and we look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mending Trauma Podcast. Lane and I are really grateful that you spend time with us each week. We know you have a choice and that time is currency. We would love if you would share this episode on social media and tag us so we can reshare. If you feel so inclined, go and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to pods so that we can get the word out and help more people. We know that we are all working hard on our mental health and we wish you great success this week in implementing these new skills. We'll check in next week.